got a brand new sweetie, better than the one before. Oh, she's got everything and a little bit more. Hello, and welcome to another mini episode of Additional History Headlines You Probably Missed. I'm your host, Tiffany Clark, and today's mini episode is a doozy. This is an unsolved mystery that has fascinated me for a long time. It's the kind of story that legends are made of. I've shared stories of shipwrecks and lost treasure on this podcast before, but although today's story is about a shipwreck, there's no treasure involved. Today's episode date is February 11th, 1979, the day the ship known as the Sarah Joe disappeared off the coast of Hana, Hawaii creating a mystery that has yet to be solved more than 40 years later. Hana is a small town on the island of Maui. It's considered to be one of the most remote towns in all of Hawaii, and you have to follow a winding, rugged road to get there from anywhere else. But it's an absolutely beautiful, unspoiled area if you've ever driven there or flown there or seen pictures of it. On that fateful day in 1979, five men, 38-year-old Benjamin Kalama, 27-year-old Ralph Malaikini, 27-year-old Scott Mormon, 26-year-old Patrick Wusner, and 31-year-old Peter Hanchett, decided to take their boat out for a day of fishing in the waters off the Hana coast. It was a beautiful, clear day that promised to be a day of great fun and relaxation. None of them were new to the water, having grown up in Hawaii for some and spent many years there for others, and Ralph was a professional fisherman. Between the five of them, they had more than 50 years of experience out on the water. They knew what they were doing. The men left around 10 a.m. in a Boston whaler boat called the Sarah Joe. They borrowed it from Ralph's twin brother, Robert. It was named after his mother, Sarah, and his father, Joe. Around 1 p.m. that day, the wind suddenly shifted. That change in the wind was a sure sign that a storm was about to sweep in. Peter's father, John Hanchett, knew the men were out on the water, and he sensed the approaching storm and started to worry. He and a few other people went out to see if they could spot the boat. He thought if they could see it, maybe they could signal and wave it back into shore. But the group looked and looked, and there was no sign whatsoever of the Sarah Joe. It had gone out too far to be seen. A couple of hours later, the storm arrived. The wind howled, and the waves crashed, and still there was no sign of the Sarah Joe or her five passengers. By this point, John Hanchett was extremely worried, so he decided to go look for them himself, knowing it probably wasn't the best choice during a storm. He searched for several hours, but found nothing, not a single clue of where the Sarah Joe had gone. He returned to the shore without his son or friends. At 5 p.m., a distress call came in from the Sarah Joe. They said they had a disabled engine. I don't know if the call came in before or after John went in search of the men, but either way, he couldn't find them. The next day, John went out to search for the men again, and that time he took another man with him named John Naughton, who was a marine biologist. But once again, they found nothing. Part of the problem was that the Sarah Joe was the same color as the water, making it nearly impossible to spot. If I ever become a boat owner, I'm vowing right now to paint my boat bright pink. 
Anyway, on the third day since the men went missing, the Coast Guard searched for the missing men not only by ship, but also by helicopter. The Honolulu Star Bulletin newspaper from February 14, 1979, printed an article about the search with a headline that said, Pigeons used in search for five missing fishermen. This article was super interesting to read. I know pigeons, as annoying as they can sometimes be, are extremely smart. Apparently, for the first time ever during a rescue operation, the Coast Guard decided to employ spotter pigeons. The three pigeons were dangled down from the helicopter in a bubble-like container. A pigeon's eyesight allows them to see things humans can't see. So they were trained to peck at a buzzer any time they saw something orange, since most boats had orange life vests and floats were usually orange. Each bird was positioned so that they faced a different direction, and each bird had a different buzzer. The Coast Guard would know which direction to fly the helicopter depending on which bird set off their buzzer. Isn't that amazing? Although the pigeons weren't able to find the Sarah Joe, I will say that they continued to be used and did have many successful missions. Anyway, the Pigeon helicopter wasn't the only aircraft searching for the Sarah Joe. That day there were 15 aircraft out patrolling. The Coast Guard, the Navy, the Air Force, the Civil Air Patrol, and the Coast Guard Auxiliary were all involved. And sorry for the cliche, but it was like looking for a needle in a haystack. The area needing to be searched covered more than 14,000 square miles. And before the search was over, some newspapers reported that they had searched more than 70,000 miles. People weren't just searching the water, though. A huge group of volunteers searched the Maui coast, looking for debris that could have come from the Sarah Joe if she wrecked, and the Marines searched the shoreline for signs that the crew had made it to shore somewhere else. Despite the massive search effort, the men were not found. And on February 16th, the Coast Guard officially ended the search. The families of the men begged the Coast Guard to continue, because it hadn't even been a week, but it wasn't any use. They didn't want to continue. For days and weeks, the residents of Hana continued to search the coast. They didn't want to give up either. They had hope that the men would be found. And they were convinced that eventually something would show up. About a month after the men went missing, the Honolulu Star Bulletin printed a huge article about the five missing men. It told about their friendships, their love of softball and parties, their families, their careers, and what gave them their drive. The article included pictures of the men and was divided into three different newspaper pages. I'll share the article with you in the additional history headlines you probably missed Facebook group. Anyway, despite everyone's best efforts, weeks turned into months and months turned into years. There was still not a single clue to the whereabouts of the Sarah Joe showing up. Eventually, the five men were all but forgotten, although their families never gave up hope that some sign of what had happened to their loved ones would someday be found. Then, on September 9, 1988, almost 10 years from when the Sarah Joe disappeared, John Naughton was on a wildlife expedition in the Marshall Islands. If you remember from earlier, John Naughton was the marine biologist who went out searching with Peter Hanschett's father. Anyway, while exploring, they noticed that a boat had washed ashore on a deserted atoll called Teongi. They decided to get a closer look and went ashore to check it out. They found the boat's registration number and knew right away that it had been registered in Hawaii. 
I'm sure none of them expected to find out from the Coast Guard when they radioed it in that the ship's number was the long-lost Sarah Jo. At last, after nearly a decade, the answer to where the ship had gone could be answered. Except, there was more to the atoll than just the abandoned ship. As John Naughton and his group looked around, they found something else about 60 feet away from the boat. It was a grave made of coral rocks and marked by a crudely made cross. They searched and searched and couldn't find any signs that the island had been inhabited any time in the recent past. As soon as the Coast Guard identified the ship as the Sarah Joe, the decision was made to excavate the grave. Inside, they found a partial human skeleton, including a jawbone that had dental fillings. Back in Hawaii, the families of the missing men scrambled to find the dental records of their loved ones. There was no guarantee that the grave even belonged to one of the missing men. After all, it could have been purely a coincidence that, that the ship washed up on shore in a place where someone had already been buried. But that wasn't the case. After a careful examination of the bones and the teeth, it was decided that the body was that of Scott Mormon, one of the five missing passengers of the Sarah Joe. Questions began to circulate immediately. How did the ship get to the Taeongye Atoll, a place that was 2,000 miles west of Maui? How long did it take to get there? Were all the men still alive when the ship arrived? Was Scott Mormon a lone survivor? But if that were the case, there was another question that came to the forefront of almost everyone's minds. Who buried Scott? Many people wondered if at least one other person had survived the tragedy, and maybe even Scott survived for a time but was then buried. But without a trace of anyone else on the island, what would have happened to the other survivor? Did he build a raft and go in search of help somewhere else? Was he picked up by a passing ship? Did he disappear on purpose? According to the experts, a journey like the Sarah Joe's would have taken three months. And there are multiple recorded stories of people surviving being lost at sea for a lot more than three months. It was possible that some of the other men had survived and then disappeared again. Many of Scott Mormon's family and friends believed he swam to shore and then died from lack of water. But again, who buried Scott? The families of the missing men hired a private investigator named Steve Goodnow to go back to the atoll and see what else could be found. Robert Malakaini, the boat's owner and twin brother to Ralph, accompanied him, along with a news crew. Goodnow's team found the ship's engine caught in the coral not far from the shore. They also found more of Scott's bones near the grave that hadn't been picked up the first time. The investigator also made another announcement. He said that he didn't believe the Sarah Joe could have made it through the narrow channel between the islands and reefs without human interference. Does that mean someone else survived? And one thing that a lot of people get hung up on with this story is that the government had done a survey of Taeongi six years after the Sarah Joe disappeared. No mention of the boat's existence was on the survey report. If it wasn't there, where had it been for six years, and how long was it on the island before being found? Now, there really aren't definitive answers to the many questions surrounding the Sarah Joe, but there was something else buried with Scott Mormon's body that many believe is the clue that provides the most likely answer. You see, buried with Scott was a sheaf of paper about three inches by three inches 
and about three-fourths of an inch thick. Between every page of paper was a little square piece of tinfoil. At first, this baffled the investigators, but they soon learned of a Chinese custom to burn what they called joss paper for their ancestors. The joss paper is meant to represent money that can be used in the afterlife. Sometimes it's placed inside coffins during burial. Perhaps the answer to the Sarah Joe wasn't that one of the other five men survived. Perhaps it was that a Chinese fisherman found the Sarah Joe with Scott's body inside, maybe even tied up so that he wouldn't be lost during the storm, and reburied the body in the most respectful way that he knew. If the Chinese fisherman were boating in an area he wasn't supposed to be, he wouldn't have reported finding the wreck of the body. Another source said that the papers could have come from some sort of Japanese Shinto burial ritual. But despite the papers left in the grave, many believe that the most important clue was that a cross was left to mark his grave, a sign of being buried by someone of a Christian faith. Despite the lack of firm answers all these years later, memorial plaques have been placed in both Hana and Taeongi, honoring the five men and declaring that Hana remembers her sons. And as of at least 2009, Robert Malakaini still keeps the Sarah Joe in his backyard, a constant reminder of his own loss. Friends, thanks for joining me for today's mini-episode. The mystery of the Sarah Joe has fascinated me for a long time, wondering who buried Scott's body and how long the men were able to survive. I've read dozens of articles about this because Hawaii updated its people constantly after the ship was found. It is a truly crazy story, and I hope you enjoyed it. Join me again this coming Monday for another new full episode of Additional History Headlines You Probably Missed. If you have any suggestions for famous dates or stories I haven't yet shared, feel free to reach out to me at additionalhistory at gmail.com. Talk to you later.